Good morning and welcome to Scarlet City. Uh, if you're new here, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Jay O'Brien. I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here. And uh, I and others would love to meet you right after the gathering at our connection table. I want to invite you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Feel free to use the Bible in the pew or your, your smartphone or smart device. And you can use your table of contents to find the book of Matthew, an account written by an eyewitness of Jesus' life and ministry and his teachings. And we've been looking the past year at specifically at his teaching and the Sermon on the Mount. And since January, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verses 9 and following. And this morning, I'm going to read our passage. We're going to be in Matthew 6, verse 11. Won't take long. Jesus prays, he says, give us today our daily bread. Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, yeah. Right, Robert. Well, there's a part of all of us that are drawn to hype and spectacle. It's Super Bowl Sunday, and living rooms all across our country will be divided, and not just divided by people who are Chiefs fans and 49ers fans, in case you didn't know that's who's playing tonight. But it's going to be divided between people who like watching football and everyone else. So I have an inner turmoil on the Super Bowl, and it's, I, I, I like all the hype and circumstance around it, but there's a part of me that when the game starts and everyone's talking about the commercials and the dip's a little cold, I'm thinking, no, this is about the football game. Football. There's this divide between those who view this and are a part of it just to be a part of the Super Bowl and those who actually care about the game. And it's interesting because amidst all the commercials and the halftime show and wondering if there's a, a wardrobe malfunction and why does the singer have his shirt off, amidst all of that, they're playing just the normal game on a field that's the same size as the field at Whetstone High School with the ball that's the same size ball unless Tom Brady's playing, that everyone else uses. It's just a normal football game. And if you talk to the coaches and players for the Super Bowl, they what they're trying to do is drown out all the noise because they know all the hype and circumstance and flash and halftime show can distract from playing the game. We're drawn to hype and circumstance, like a mosquito drawn to a light. We're pulled in, we're drawn to things that have hype and spectacle. Many of us, when it comes to relating to God, are often drawn to hype and the spectacle. When we think about prayer, when we think of God working in our life, we look at events like like God parting a Red Sea. And we ask, God, will you work in this powerful way today? Many of us, when it comes to relating to God, can be more drawn to the hype and the spectacle. And the hype and spectacle of life and the hype and spectacle of wanting to relate to God in just those ways can distract us from walking with God in simple, ordinary ways. Jesus here, the first request to God, after the vertical component of honoring God's name, 
His kingdom and His will. When Jesus transitions to the we, to our, the horizontal components of the prayer, the first request is not that God do something amazing, but that God provide daily bread. Jesus is teaching us something important and powerful about relating to God in prayer and faith and life. And often for us, when we think of the Lord's Prayer, this is the one that we want to overlook the most. We get honoring God's name, His kingdom, His will, they're challenging, but okay, those are things we should pray about. And we also understand where we'll go next week about forgiveness and temptation. We can acknowledge that, but give us our daily bread. Many of us in the West, we have no concept of what it means to live in need of just food and provision daily. Many of us, many do, as we'll get to later to this morning, but many of us can't relate to hunger and wondering if food will be provided. And so it can be tempting to overlook this. And what we can see when we press into what Jesus is really after here, this can be not just the most irrelevant, but the most relevant part of this prayer in our life. When Jesus would have said this, his first century audience, when they heard daily bread, they wouldn't have thought of going to Kroger and pulling out a loaf from the grocery store. The first thing that would have come to their mind was God's provision in the wilderness. When God delivered his people, when he liberated his people from slavery in Egypt, they were in the desert and they had no food. And God provided manna. It's recorded in Exodus chapter 16. God provides Man, miraculously, God feeds his people. Because it wasn't enough to just be liberated from slavery in order to just die in the desert. God wants to provide. He wants to nourish. He wants to care daily. But interestingly, God requires, when he provided the manna, that every morning they go out and collect it. Why wouldn't God just snap his fingers and make them not hungry anymore? Why didn't God just provide some huge feast that satisfied them until they got to the promised land? Every day, they needed to go out and work and collect the food because God is illustrating and showing and teaching in the wilderness that we must daily go to Him for provision. And so this morning, as we consider what does it mean to daily walk by faith, I want to show us what we receive. When we go to God daily in faith, five things we receive for our life today. First, what do we receive when we walk with God in simple daily faith? We receive honor and respect from God. We are known in the ordinary. God knows us in the ordinary details of life, not just the extraordinary moments. Jesus says, give us our daily bread. We're reminded here that God cares about our daily food, our ordinary needs. Now, if you were to think of what someone could do for you that would make you feel really respected, that would make you feel really honored, honor is on Jesus' mind. He's just prayed that God's name be honored. And now as he thinks about his needs, if if you were to take a moment and think, what could someone do for you that would make you feel really special, really honored? I think for me, my My mind goes to if someone of significance in a public setting just spoke about me in in a really positive way. If, I don't know, Urban Meyer, Ryan Day, 
for, for Jacob Beach, Justin Bieber, you know, someone real special you look up to. And if they were in a public setting, oh man, listen, everyone stop what you're doing. I, I need to tell you about Jay. All right, there's some things you need to know about Jay. A great thing he's done, and they were to list off some great things I've done. Thanks, thanks, Urban. I mean, uh, no big deal. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, I would feel really honored by that. A public setting, someone like Urban Meyer, if he stops the press conference and says, hey, hey, world, Jay O'Brien, I, I want to take a moment and tell you about him. There's a part of me that would feel really respected. And then if I ran into him later that day to tell him thanks, he didn't even know my name, or he, he didn't know where I lived, or he didn't know the seemingly minor details of my life, I would have appreciated the gesture, but I wouldn't have felt really respected when someone of significance honors you publicly, but they don't care about the ordinary details of your life. You know, there's a part of that that's, that's nice, but if they stop and they, and they ask you, Tell me again, I remember you mentioned you were struggling in this work situation. How's that going? You see, when someone presses in to care about the ordinary details, that's when we can feel really loved and honored and respected. God, the creator of the universe, doesn't just take notice in the big moments of our life. He's not just there at the wedding ceremony or the moment of deep anguish and pain. He's there in the ordinary daily breaking of bread. God honors us and respects the ordinary elements of life. And because of this, we can trust Him. And we can bring our weaknesses. We're reminded here that we bring what we lack not what we have. Jesus says, give us, give us. We're in need. And Jesus, throughout his ministry, he often teaches with stories. He doesn't just, he doesn't just make statements. He often takes the truths and puts them in a story so that we can see. And, and when you look at the stories of prayer that Jesus gives, there's three different people who he holds up as the ones who pray with power. They're a widow, children, and a tax collector. I want to draw your attention to one specific story Jesus gives. In Luke chapter 18, the text will be on the screen. Jesus is telling this story. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, there's something we need to know here about these two men. In Jesus' first century audience, the Pharisee, you see, for us, they were a little out of their culture, but for them, when they heard Pharisee, what they heard was the good person, the righteous, the religious, the one you want your daughter to marry, the Pharisee and the tax collector. When they heard tax collector, they heard wicked, unloyal, don't trust them. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself. Like this, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, extortionists, unrighteous people, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. And the tax collector, he stood far off, would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and saying, God, 
Be merciful on me, the sinner that I am. Jesus says, which of these two people goes home justified? In other words, which prayer does God hear and honor? It's the tax collector. Now, I have something I want to show you. It's an important thing. It's a special thing. I have here a trophy. You're like, yes, it is a trophy. Could be made of real gold. We're not quite sure. And I won this trophy. I didn't just buy it for myself. I was handed this because I won my, what did I win? My fantasy football league. I am the winner. And I received this trophy because I, it says Premier Fantasy League Champion. Not just any, any fantasy league, the Premier Fantasy League. And I won this trophy. And here it is. And I wanted to show you. Now, if you saw me later this week at Global Gallery and you walk in and I'm there working and you see me and my trophies right there, you would think that's kind of funny. And then if you saw me the next day in Crimson Cup and my trophies there with me, you would be embarrassed. You would be embarrassed. You would be embarrassed for me. You would be embarrassed if you consider this your your home church because you'd be like, my pastor's really weird. I mean, why? Because you would think, Jay, you'd wonder, like, Jay, do you really think that that's special? Like, it's fantasy football league. Like, no big deal. Like, it's not real gold, Jay. Okay, I'm sorry to break it to you. It's not made of real gold. You would be very embarrassed. It's not very impressive. Now, if I had the Lombardi trophy, the Super Bowl trophy, you, then you'd tell everyone about me. You'd be like, my pastor has the Lombardi trophy. I don't know why they gave it to him, and where we stole it from, but that would be special. What does God see and think is special? We, we want to relate to God and bring our strengths and our trophies and the good things that we've done and have like this Pharisee. And we think that God's really impressed. And we think other people are really impressed by the good things and the powerful things and the stuff that we have, whether it's material possessions or good works. But God, He has a different view, a different value system. What impresses God is not us bringing our trophies to Him. What impresses God is like the tax collector that comes in need. We have nothing to bring. We don't bring our trophies. We don't bring our accomplishments. We bring what we lack. We bring our weaknesses. And in bringing our weaknesses, we're empowered to live simply. Walking with God in faith daily enables us to find contentment in the essentials. We can find contentment. We can live with simplicity. Jesus says, Give us our daily bread. He doesn't say give us our daily feast. Daily bread. Just the ordinary essentials to bring life. Not the momentary extravagance. Now, God's not anti-feast. He's not anti-extravagance. I mean, in the Hebrew Scriptures, God commands His people to observe feasts. 
One feast, the Passover, was a time where they had a huge celebration and remembered God's liberation from slavery in Egypt. And, yeah, cool. <laughs> liberation from slavery in Egypt. And, and they remembered God's provision in the wilderness, that He provided manna. This was a celebration, a feast to remember. Uh, and also Jesus, his, the first miracle recorded in the Gospel of John, Jesus shows up at a wedding. Now, a wedding then was a huge deal. This wasn't like our wedding, Western weddings today where you have just like a few hours. No, this was days of a huge feast with food and wine. And Jesus doesn't show up at the feast like, oh, great, everyone put the wine away. All right, no, we're all going to just be here. No, nothing happening here. No fun, Jesus. Jesus doesn't show up and turn everyone's water or wine into water. No, when they run out of wine, he turns the water into wine because he wants to keep the party going. And, and they say, who saved the best wine for last? This extravagant, good, glorious wine. Jesus and God are anti-feast. They're just not for living life as a daily feast of extravagance. And why? I mean, we kind of wonder why. Why doesn't God say, you know what, give us this day our daily steak. Or if you're vegan, our daily falafel. Something good. What, what just bread here? Jesus is teaching us about what we really need in life. And you know, when we commit to an extravagant lifestyle, we get exhausted. You know, extra, extravagance, if I were to define it simply, an extravagant lifestyle is needing non-essentials. It's needing non-essentials. Not just wanting, but feeling like we need and are owed non-essentials. If we go home today and we have bread for lunch, if that's all we can have, there might be a part of you that almost feels like persecuted. Bread, this, this is not right. Jesus has another view another view, that we're not just here to live an extravagant lifestyle, but we're here to live with contentment in the essentials of life. And I think one of the reasons, as I mentioned, is because the extravagant lifestyle is exhausting. It's exhausting. Now, if we were to contrast these two ways, the extravagant lifestyle and living in the essentials, think of the extravagant life. Now, imagine this feast it's the holidays, and you're having people over. Anyone do that for the holidays? Have people over and provide a meal for them? I did. And man, I, I like it. I, I enjoy having uh, cooking for a large group. Peeling those potatoes. We're not doing just like easy mashed potatoes. No, we're doing real mashed potatoes at my home. Peeling all the potatoes, washing things, doing the other stuff that one does. Like, Jay, did you? Is that what happens? Yeah, all the work. Cleaning, preparing, entertaining, and it's fun for a meal. Now imagine doing that every day. Every day, hosting an extravagant meal. The work, the money, the energy. Because extravagance requires work, money, and energy. Many of us have bought into a view of life that says we are owed and need the extravagance every day. 
And we invest our work, our money, and our energy in maintaining this life. Now, I want to present to you another way. The way of contentment in the essentials of life. That we can enjoy a meal with friends, even if it's just bread. And we can say, thank you, God. Thank you for providing this basic, simple meal. Living to have contentment in the essentials. And here's why this is so important. Why a life of simplicity and contentment can transform us. Here's why. Because when we live this way, we can embrace risk. We can embrace risk and live a life of generosity, a life of power and purpose and significance. Jesus says, give us our daily bread. You know, one commentator on this passage makes this observation. I, thought it was, I hadn't thought of this. They put it this way. They say, we, when we live this way, we will recognize that along with the trust for daily provision comes a sense of of uncertainty, and even risk regarding our future. Let me read that again. When we live this way, we will recognize that along with trust for a daily provision comes a sense of uncertainty and even risk regarding our future. That we are free to not just live hoarding, saving, and protecting so that we can live a life of extravagance. But we're invited into the story of taking risks, walking with God, so that we can prioritize the things that are most important. Friends, hear me. Imagine if we took all the work, all the money, all the energy that we invest in creating a life of extravagance and maintaining it, and we took all that work, all that money, all that energy and joined God in His work of ministering and caring for people in need. Oh, the work that could be done. Oh, the lives that could be transformed. That we have the privilege of doing this. And here's the thing, you know, for many of us, we look at this and we, we feel maybe, and maybe you feel it now, a little sense of guilt. Like, oh man, that's a big ask. And gosh, I guess we should. You know, Jesus would be happy. I guess we should. As if the decision is between a life of fun and satisfaction and doing the right thing. Here's what I would ask you. If you're living a life of extravagance, maintaining just the things that you want, has that ever brought you true joy? Has it ever brought happiness? We know it does. We just want more. I'm reminded of when we, uh, we uh, a few years ago, Megan's parents gave us a old, their old Acura MDX SUV. And they gave it to us because it was worth nothing. And we had two children, and we just needed a way to get from A to B. And this, this if you had the privilege of riding in this SUV, you know that uh, the air conditioning didn't work. And in fact, in the, in the summer, 
It did, not only did the AC not work, but it blew out hot air. It's like, it would have been better to have nothing, but it's blasting heat on you in the summer. It was ridiculous. And he would have known sometimes it just didn't start. Like, well, I guess we're not going to make it today. The car decided not to start. And sometimes you'd be driving it and it would shake. It was an adventure. And praise the Lord, he provided a minivan that has air conditioning and, you know, uh, a radio and it doesn't shake yet. And, he, you know, you give us a week and, and we totally forgot the MDX and we're all of a sudden like finding complaints in our new van. Because no car, home, thing will bring the joy that we're looking for. If you make your life about chasing things, you will live in more bondage than if you're just living for bread. So it, this isn't a choice between the good life and the right thing. No, living into the right thing, joining in the work that Jesus invites us into can bring more joy because we're investing in things that matter. And there is nothing more joyful than being on the front lines of meeting the needs of people. You know, you might never play in the Super Bowl. Probably won't. Maybe you'll win a trophy like I did with your fantasy football league. Probably never a Lombardi trophy. You'll probably never play in the Super Bowl. But you can live a life of eternal significance by taking your work, your money, and your energy and joining God in His work of meeting the physical and spiritual needs of others. And as we close, I want to invite the people serving communion to come forward and we're closing this week with a time of response. And every Sunday, we practice communion. And communion is a time when we remember and celebrate Jesus' body that was given. We often say broken, but really the, the idea is given. Jesus gives his body. Jesus, on one occasion, said, I am the bread of life. The bread of life. His body that was given so that we could find ultimate satisfaction in God. This morning, I want to invite you to respond, to come forward if you've embraced Jesus as your Savior, to tear a piece of the bread off and dip it in the juice. And also this morning, if you would like some prayer, we're going to have people who would love to pray for you. Maybe this morning you feel unseen. You just, you, you hear me talk about being honored by God and you wonder if that's true and you just feel unseen by people. No one, maybe no one knew your name when you showed up this morning. Maybe people don't know the details of your life and you would just like prayer. Or maybe you're someone, you feel that weakness. You feel that weakness, like the tax collector. Just what can we bring to God? Or maybe a time of, even confession, coming forward, asking for someone to pray that maybe you've invested your life in hoarding resources and not joining God's work. We want to make this a time of response. There's people in the front who would love to pray with you. There's people in the back who would love to pray with you. It doesn't need to be a big Super Bowl type prayer. It could be a normal life, ordinary prayer. 
But if you'd like prayer, I invite you to come. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for being a God who sees and knows the ordinary elements of our life. You know our name. You know our dreams. You know our fears. You know our failure. You know our successes. Thank you for that, God. That you are indifferent to who we are. And God, as we respond now, I pray for that if there's someone here this morning that maybe this just feels it just feels too good to be true. Maybe there's a just a sense of being distracted by the noise and lights of life, by the spectacles, and and wondering if if this is for for me. God, I pray that you would by your spirit, just speak a word of encouragement and love to that person. That above all else, that they would know that there is a God who loves them and cares about their daily needs and food. God, may we respond. May we not just hear your word, but be doers of your word. Transform our hearts and our hands. Amen.